Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, look, Mel Hubbard here. You remember how yesterday, yeah, yesterday, oh, I should tell you that today is Tuesday, July 30th. That's right, Tuesday, July 30th, just in case you need to be oriented. Now, yesterday, I was ranting about my supercharger issues. So I went on another trip, supercharger problem really slow, driving me crazy, talking about how this is the moat, you can't break the moat, this has got to work properly. Well, I got a number of emails from people, and I learned some things. So uh, first of all, let us speak with Douglas Kingsley, who said he had the same problem in Culver City, got to Culver City, and at least six of the nozzles were broken. And uh, he was sort of in line, then he plugged in, it didn't work, and he had to go back to the back of the line, and he called Tesla, it took 30 minutes. So same kind of a cluster. He did say he went on a Seattle to LAX round trip fairly recently and had no problem, got between 39 and 145 kilowatts at the various uh, places that he stopped along the way. So maybe yesterday was just sort of a general cluster for everybody. I don't know, but Culver City and Tuscadero here in California, no bueno. The next letter is from Stephen Nichols. I think that's how you pronounce it. Remember, I've got a bit of dyslexia, so don't make fun. No, don't. And he explained something that has never been explained to me before, which makes me understand much better what's going on. So I always thought that at each bollard, as it were, now you have 150 kilowatts and it's split between two of them. But he says this, which makes things make a lot more sense. Mel, I think there is quite a bit of confusion out there about how V2 superchargers work. With the V2 supercharger, you have two pedestals, two cables, right? And a shared, and each supercharger consists of four independent charger units of about 38 kilowatts each of the 150 kilowatt supercharger. The way the sharing works is that the first car to plug in gets assigned all four charges and thus the full possible charge rate until a second car plugs in. When a second car plugs in, the second car will get at least one charger unit, which is 38 kilowatts capable, assigned to it, while the first car will have priority on three charger units, approximately 112 kilowatts. If the first car only needs 36 kilowatts, but less than 72, then it frees up another charger unit and the second car can get up to 72 kilowatts. Is this making sense? When the needs of the first car drop to 36 kilowatts, it drops one charger unit and the second car gets three charger units for 112. So you're not sharing just 150 and dividing it into you know 75, 75 or whatever. You're actually sharing 38 units of these four things and depending on what you need, you'll get one, two, three, or four of them, depending on the situation. That makes a huge amount of sense, okay? Huge amount of sense to me, because that's where I was getting, somewhere around 38. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And so that's why you don't want to plug into somebody who's on the, if you're on 1A, you don't want somebody to plug in 1B, because then you have to do this special type of sharing, and you don't want to do that. And then he followed up with another email, and I thought this was true, but he has confirmed, and he sounds, Stephen sounds like a very smart person. The V3 superchargers are going to get around this, because not only are you going to get a theoretical max of 250 kilowatts, no sharing with nobody. It's just all yours on that little hosel nozzle thing. So that is why they're going to radically increase the number of cars that they can get through these places, because there's not all this charging. But that's a really, really important uh, letter. So thanks to Stephen for explaining that there's actually four charging units split between these two. Sometimes you can get all four. Sometimes you get one of them and you go down to 38. That makes sense to me now. I'll still be ticked, but at least I'll know why. Jim Long, friend of the show, had a very similar email and a couple of videos showing him supercharging in Fremont where he gets just 
ridiculous speed. So it's pretty cool. And then he also says about the big show. This is Jim, Jim Long. In the big show, we were talking about how you know Tesla didn't pay somebody there in Utah and they put sort of bags over the supercharger. And he said, actually, the story got updated by Electric afterwards to say there was much more complicated than that. There was some sort of um, episode with the, the son of the person who owned that supercharger area. And so maybe what was happening is that somebody was sort of taking the cash and not uh, handing it over. It was complicated. It's not clear. And the story was then taken down by Electric. So Maybe it was a little bit more complicated than just the fact that a multi-billion dollar company wasn't paying the bill. It was more complex than that. We'll try and find out the real story. i got another letter here. This one's from uh, James Mott. Now, James is from England who years ago set up a thing for Alexa and Google Home where you could do some stuff with your Tesla. It was pretty cool. Well, he's had this other idea. Wouldn't it be cool like if you're you know, plugging in at the supercharger station and you'd kind of like to chat to some people there about their Teslas, but you don't want to be like weird person that comes up and starts knocking on people's windows. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Well, he's created a website called teslacheckin.in. Teslacheckin.in. So what you can do on this is go onto that website and put in your information and uh, find out if there are people around you that want to chat about the Teslas when they plug into the supercharger. So you can do this on the browser of your car or you can do it on your phone. But obviously what it's doing here is sharing your location. So James, probably people are going to be a bit anxious about that. But the basic concept is good. And the basic concept is if you want to share your information and your location with other Tesla users, you can do that so that you can say, oh, there's Joe. He's got a new Model 3 and he wants to chat about it. And uh, he's here at the supercharger. Joe, where are you? There you are. Let's have a chat. I like that idea. So if you want to go check it out, again, it's teslacheck.in. Teslacheck.in. Really interesting concept. Now, it does say in this email that it's completely anonymous and you get to choose if you put in your name and your number plate, but otherwise it's anonymous. Um, so again, go check that out. On the big show, on the large show, on the grand show, we talked about this big autonomous machine that picked out weeds and uh, about how bad uh, Roundup is because it sort of uh, kills lots of bees and other stuff. And we got a, a letter here from Daniel Morse who says, Roundup is not a pesticide, it's a vegetarian killer. I work for a non-GMO farm and there are many ways to control weeds without Roundup. And that's good because I wouldn't be spraying that stuff around anymore. That's all the letters for today, but I said that I would have lots of good news this week because I started off the week on such a down note being ticked off about the superchargers. Well, here's a couple of them. First of all, Tesla sales grew by over 40% in China this year. So you know when the earnings report comes out, we sort of go through it and then it takes a while to digest it. Well, this is a story from Electric which says, The general belief that Tesla has been having issues penetrating the Chinese auto market, which is now the most important auto market in the world. Right? Because they sell more cars than anywhere else. Right? And early on, Tesla sales in the market were slow. In 2007, Tesla made over $2 billion in China, doubling its sales and expanding its retail presence and charging infrastructure. But uh, guess what? Now they're going even faster. With the release of Model 3, it's grown in China an enormous amount. And then when Gigafactory 3 comes out, they're going to sell a lot, a lot, a lot. So Tesla was looking really good in China after a time where it was a bit slow and we weren't sure exactly how it was going to go. In fact, it's interesting that in the sort of the mainstream media here in the US at least, Gigafactory 3 hasn't been getting much press. The fact that they've built it so fast and there's just a flyover drone that shows now they're putting up the air conditioner and stuff and it's really moving along. But the thing that 
I haven't heard anybody talk about in the Tesla world is what about renewable energy for this? A big part of Gigafactory 1 is the fact that there's going to be covered in solar panels and wind farms and it's going to be 100% renewable energy. I've asked before, let me ask again, what's happening at Gigafactory 3? I love the fact that they built it so fast. I love the fact that electric vehicles are going to come out of this thing. But uh, excuse me, hello, is this thing on? Ding, 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 ding. Is this thing on? Is it going to be renewable energy that uh, runs this puppy? Because the pictures of the drone show a lot of haze. And I don't know what that haze is. Is that smog from uh, all of the coal-fired power plants? I don't know. I don't know if there's lots of sun in this area of China where they've got the plant. I don't know. But I want to see it building things with renewable energy. That's what I want to see. You know how I said I was done with letters? I lied. Because Jack Farrington said, Mel, get your act together, loser. I was talking about the fact that uh, Tesla wants to make a lot lot more batteries orders of magnitude more batteries and i started talking about they're going to make terawatts more batteries he's like no it's terawatt hours it's a measure of storage terawatt hours a terawatt's the amount of juice and then it's over time so he's talking about terawatt hours they're going to make terawatt hours of batteries so jack you are right i'm sorry that was very imprecise i gotta stop doing that i'm lazy forgive me terawatt hours they're gonna make many terawatt hours of batteries and that good. And finally for today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there is this auto blog called Edmunds that are really liking the ice cars. But they sent out a tweet saying, um, the ultimate driving car? No. They compared the BMW 3 series with the Model 3. And in fact, just the normal Model 3, the rear wheel version, not the dual motor, not the performance version. And they said, I'm sorry, but the ultimate driving experience is the Model 3. It is not the BMW 3 Series. Thank you very much. Kind of amazing. So when I read these things or I see them on Fox News or these other Tesla haters out there saying, oh, the Model 3 is a crap car. I haven't seen an independent car review that doesn't say the Model 3 is a fantastic car. And if you've ever been in one, it's an amazing driving experience. It's better than the S in my opinion. It is an incredible car. So go drive one. They're amazing. And you should support this show by giving us a rating review on iTunes, by being a patron on Patreon, or by using Robert's uh, code for this month, which is Robert3177 if you're getting a Model 3. Go get one. Get two. And don't be stingy. Get three. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Herbert out.